good morning, people. I guess I should stop saying good morning because I don't know what time it is where you guys are listening. This is Jake, Radio Underland. Oh, listen to that, man. Let's get that groove on a little bit. Good stuff, good stuff, good stuff. All right, so, man, a lot's going on. Uh, that story we did yesterday about that, what was that guy's name? That professor that was uh, the adult child love, the guy that didn't see a problem with a 12-year-old, a consenting 12-year-old and an adult uh, hooking up. Yeah, man, he's been blasted all over the news. I see all kinds of news stories coming about him uh, last night, which is good, you know? Put that guy on blast. And then uh, Joni Mitchell and Neil Young, once again, I, who, who would have thought that this story would have gotten so much traction? Uh, but it is. Uh, but Joni, well, you know, the, the problem is, is when you live in a glass house and you start throwing stones, stuff comes back to haunt you. You know what I mean? Comes back to haunt you. And uh, Neil Young... And Joni Mitchell are definitely suffering the uh, the the effects of that. And uh, well, first off, let's start off with Neil Young, Mister 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 Righteous, Mister Neil Young, Mister Don't spread any misinformation. Well, you know, and I hate to do this. I hate to do this, but it's in the news, and it is interesting. I mean, you've got to realize that whoever's throwing these stones, you kind of need to see what perspective they're coming from. And so, Neil Young, well. During the height of the AIDS epidemic, Neil Young attacked the gay community. Uh, he suggested that anyone, and back then, you know, it, in fairness, in fairness, back then, nobody knew exactly how contagious AIDS was. We didn't have all the details, and so there was a lot of paranoia and a lot of fear that was going on regarding the AIDS epidemic. And this was a long time ago, but did it justify saying this? So the, the scenario, the scene you know, of what was going on. Did it justify this statement? Okay, I'll, I'll let you be the judge. During the height of the AIDS epidemic, Neil Young attacked the gay community, suggesting anyone could catch the disease at the grocery store and using a homophobic slur. Now, here's the quote. Now, if you have kids in the car, uh, put some pretzels in their ears or something, because I'm going to read it word for word, and I don't want to get any harassment. I'm reading the words of Neil Young, okay? Neil says... You go to a supermarket and you see a faggot behind the fucking cash register. You don't want him to handle your potatoes. And he said this. Okay, now this wasn't off the cuff. This was during an interview. He was being interviewed. And these were his choice of words. He, this interview was actually uh, in 1985. And it was an interview with the Melody Maker. So while Neil Young was doing that, uh, Joni Mitchell... Uh, apparently she identifies as a, as a black man. Um, and, and, and at first I saw this, I thought, you know, our old producer of the show is the only trans black, but no, Jody Mitchell was a pioneer way back in the eighties. Um, and what she says, she, I mean, she's, she's been quoted in multiple articles as being a black man. And I guess there's nothing wrong with identifying as a black man. Um, but let's just start from 1976. Let's let's rewind it way, 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 way back. As the BBC reported, Mitchell appeared at a 1976 Halloween party as a pimp-like character, described as a svelte black man in a zoot suit with matching chapeau, meticulous afro, 
wide mustache, and big, dark shades. It turned out Mitchell was dressing as her alter ego, Art Nouveau. Alter ego, Art Nouveau. Okay, so now she gets in and she starts describing this. Hold on. we I got to need some background music or something to set the mood for this right. Well, let me see if I can find something. Oh, that's kind of funky. That'll work. So this is a Joni Mitchell quote. You think she said it? Oh, okay, well, we'll just try it. I was walking down Hollywood Boulevard when a black guy walked by me with a diddy bop kind of step and said in the most wonderful way, looking good, sister, looking good. Joni Mitchell explained the inspiration for the costume in a 1988 interview with Q Magazine. Joni says, his spirit was infectious. And I thought, I'll go as him. I bought the makeup, the wig, the sleazy hat, and the sleazy suit. And that night, I went to a party, and nobody knew it was me. Joni Mitchell went way beyond dressing in blackface, asserting on multiple occasions how much she identifies as being black, which she alleged began with comments from her dentist, who told her, oh boy, I don't even want to read this. Her dentist told her, and this is Joni repeating this in an interview, her dentist said, Oh, you've got the worst bite I've ever seen. You have teeth like a Negro male. I'm just reading the quotes, people. Don't don't take this out on me. Joni says, I don't have the soul of a white woman. This is what she told LA Weekly. She says, I write like a black poet. I frequently write from a black perspective. Mitchell told CBC in 2000 that the black press gets it by not calling me a folk musician. I'm much more related to Miles Davis. And then in another interview with the New York Magazine in 2015, Mitchell said, when I see black men sitting, I have a tendency to go like nod, like I'm a brother. I really feel an affinity because I have experienced being a black guy on several occasions. All right, well, that was <laughs> background music supplied by Papa Rod. Uh, song is Glass House. Talking about stomping in the glass house. Well, I think Joni and uh, Neil have been stomping a little bit in the glass house recently. Uh, yeah, so I don't know, man. Joni Mitchell, she identifies as a black male. Uh, she says she's a black poet. The thing, I mean, the thing that gets me, I mean, she's so freaking white. I mean, does anybody know any Joni Mitchell songs? Hold on. Let me get on Spotify. Let me see what's going on. I'm sure this episode's going to get banned, but whatever. I, I, you know, I don't care. Um, this is just for fun. Joni Mitchell. Let's see. Joni Mitchell artist. And I'm on Spotify. And oh, look, her music's still up. All right. Well, let's see what the a case of you. What is this song? Let's see. Uh, what do we got here? Oh, yeah, she definitely sounds like a black artist. Oh, yeah, yeah, I could definitely dance to this. Just before our love got lost, you said, 
Now, it doesn't get much wider than that, folks. It really doesn't. Where's that at? If you want me, I'll be in the bar. Does she have any music where she's under her influence of her alter ego, Art Nouveau? Art Nouveau? Nouveau? Art Nouveau, I think is how you pronounce it. This is writing like a black poet. Oh, Canada, yeah. Lots of black artists have sang about Canada. That's for sure. I hope she doesn't drop the end bomb. I don't want to have to censor this. I could definitely see this track at the BET Music Awards. 100%. Little riot breaking out over it. I need jo- Anyways, Joni Mitchell, trans black, Art Nouveau, her alter eagle. Ego, not eagle, ego. Uh, I don't know. You think this is going to come back, gonna come back and bite Neil and uh, Joni in the butt? You know, their past transgressions. I bet you the mainstream media won't even touch on that. I bet they won't even say, you know, oh, uh, you know, Neil Young, the guy that was calling gay people uh, faggots, uh, is coming out against. Nah, they're not. They're gonna. They're not. They're gonna leave that alone. They're not gonna touch it. Guaranteed. It's not gonna happen. Well, singer songwriter Graham Nash. And India R. Ree joined the likes of Neil Young and Joni Mitchell on Tuesday as artists pulled their music from Spotify in protest over vaccine misinformation spread on the Joe Rogan experience. But apparently there's there's a deeper side to this. There's something else that's going on that is really uh, ticking these artists off. And basically it all comes down to the money. In a nutshell, they're pissed that Spotify was built on the backs of musicians. You know, it, 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 it regained all of its popularity because musicians music and then it turns around with all the profits off these musicians and pays 100 million dollars to joe rogan a podcaster um so they're a little jealous there's some jealousy involved there uh this article from the business insider uh let me see uh singer songwriters graham nash and ndre okay i already read that but smaller lesser known artists who don't always own their recordings and can't simply leave the streaming giant are using the momentum to discuss other issues facing the music industry the focus initially starts on issues to do with Rogan, Thomas Gorman of Belly, the alt-rock band that was the first to replace its profile photo and banner image with a bright green delete Spotify graphic. Anyways, Thomas Gorman told Insider Magazine, but I think what a lot of musicians and artists in our position are trying to do is use this as a way to open the conversation more into labor practices and use usage. The central grievance is Spotify's stream share business model that often pays out about 0.0038 cents per stream, which independent artists have protested against for years. While artists are paid less than a penny per stream, less than half a penny per stream, Rogan's Spotify contract was valued at $100 million. The guy from Belly says, our problem is that Spotify platform was built on the work of musicians and artists for them to turn around and give a huge amount of money to a podcaster that is spreading information that potentially might prolong this pandemic. Basically, he's pissed. A representative for Spotify did not respond to a request for comment as of this publishing. Uh, For many musicians, touring is the sole revenue source left. In the era of streaming... Gorman added, 
Uh, in the era of streaming, he added, but when concerts are canceled because of the rising COVID-19 cases, even that income goes away. In an Instagram post on Tuesday, India Ari, an R&B artist with over 1 million monthly Spotify listeners, explained her motivation behind leaving the streaming service, mentioning the lang- language around race that Rogan used in a recent podcast. India says, what I'm talking about is respect, the post said. Paying musicians a fraction of a penny and him $100 million? This shows the type of company they are and the company they keep. And yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's some other artists jumping on board because they don't want to get paid .0038 cents per play. I'm sure there's some mathematic equations on how that works out and how, you know, I mean, it, uh, Spotify, I guess for most people, it's a subscription service. I know I have an account. What is it, like 10 bucks a month, 9 bucks a month, something like that? And I stream a ton of music. I'm, I'm wondering if I stream, well, at .003, I doubt, yeah. I listen to some music. I, I mainly listen to Tidal, but I do have a Spotify account. But I, I don't think I exceed that where the .0038, I don't think I listen, listen to enough songs uh, that the payout on the songs I listen to is greater than the amount that I pay Spotify. So it's definitely prof- profitable for them. I don't know what Tidal pays out. Um, but, you know, it, this kind of gets swept underneath the rug that a lot of these musicians, a part of this Part of this problem that they have with Spotify is not necessarily Joe Rogan is just the tip of the iceberg. And it has a lot to do with them being jealous of Joe getting paid a hundred million and them getting enough money to go down and get one piece of licorice from the local liquor store. Um, if they get 10 streams, I think they would be able to afford one piece of licorice at five cents. Uh, so that's a big problem for them. Ooh, 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 look at this. Look at this. All right, hold on, hold on. This is hot off the press. This is from Fox News. Uh, Totally unbiased news, by the way, Fox News. Uh, But still, Uh, apparently health experts are responding to Neil Young's stance on GMOs. And his anti-science rants, uh, because, you know, he's been a big part of Farm Aid. He's been a big part of a bunch of stuff. But one of the big things that Neil Young has always been is been anti-GMO. But he's going against the science. Hmm. Is it this ironic? Uh, Let me read this. Canadian-American musician Neil Young has suggested podcast host Joe Rogan is anti-science. Yet the singer has lately been accused of the same as critics dig up his history of advocating against genetically modified crops. Young is among among outraged artists who have pushed to pull their music from Spotify in protest of Rogan and his show. We all know this. Let me get down to the meat and potatoes. Hold on. Here we go. Several health experts, nutritionists, and analysts responded to the Young and Rogan saga in light of the singer's history of speaking out against GMO foods. GMOs are derived from organisms whose genetic material has been modified in a lab using genetic engineering. Many experts have lauded their benefits while environmentalists have often expressed concerns. Bloomberg's opinion columnist and economist Tyler Cohen, who is among those who have defended GMO foods as being perfectly safe, concluded the singer's scientific record is far from pristine. Yet Young's own record in this area is far from pristine, Cohen wrote Tuesday. For years, he has spread scientific misinformation, misinformation, Young spreading misinformation about GMO foods. 
The Daily Beast Louis Anslow recently highlighted Young's history on GMOs in a piece titled Neil Young's Record of Spreading Scientific Misinformation. Oh, I got to find that article. Like Cohen, Anslow urges Young and urges, argues that Young has contributed to the anti-vax narrative. Cohen goes so far as to suggest Young's skeptical views on GMOs may have even led to today's distrust in the COVID vaccines. Young was so opposed to GMOs that he asserted on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert that they can cause terrible diseases. Huh. He was wrong about that, according to Fox News contributor Dr. Mark Siegel. Neil Young is a social political songwriter, and he's often wrong, Siegel, Siegel later said. But in the case of COVID-19 vaccines, Siegel said Young is right. He noted how Young and fellow artist Joni Mitchell, who has also publicly scorned Rogan, are likely a damn it about the vaccines because they both have struggled with polio. They have a right to dissent based on their history of having had polio and their obvious belief in the polio vaccine, Siegel surmised saying it was too much of a coincidence that the songwriters have pushed for the COVID vaccine. Registered dietitian Samantha Keller said she had several issues with the young Rogan debate focusing on the popular podcast host. The most important and the only one I'm addressing is that Joe Rogan is spreading lies about COVID and vaccinations and is putting people's lives at risk, if not actually killing them, Keller said. This has absolutely nothing to do with GMO foods or Neil Young's understanding of GMOs. Other health experts like Aaron Kearney, a registered dietitian and CEO of Nutrition Rewired, zoomed out of the debate between Rogan and Young to tout the benefits of GMOs. If we are strictly speaking about science, there's very little evidence to date that GMOs negatively impact human health and generations thereafter. Uh, she was talking to Fox News Digital. GMOs offer many benefits, benefits such as increasing the food supply and the use of fewer pesticides, which we do have research on in terms of negative health implications. As a dietitian, I do have concerns about GMOs as well as conflict of interest when research is presented and believe that food should be labeled giving consumers a choice. So Young's anti-science hit on Rogan has also prompted his critics to surface how he attacked the gay community in the middle of the AIDS epidemic, which we touched on earlier, by suggesting anyone could catch the disease at the grocery store and using a homophobic slur. And so they're bringing that back up, which we already addressed. Uh, CNN accused Rogan of using a horse dewormer to treat his COVID last year after the podcast giant told listeners his doctor had prescribed him ivermectin. Uh, Rogan invited CNN chief medical. All right, this is all nonsense. We know all this. Uh, anyways, so yeah, Neil Young uh, is getting blasted by uh, science dietitians, etc., uh, about spreading misinformation about GMOs. It's funny how that boomerang come back comes back and just kind of you know slaps you in the ass. As long as you don't try doing it in the United States of America. Feed the world, but don't feed your local impoverished people. So anyways, an Oregon church has sued the town where it's located over a new local ordinance that restricts the number of times a church can dole out free meals each week 
to those in need. St. Timothy's Episcopal Church and Episcopal Diocese of Oregon say in a federal lawsuit against the city of Brookings that the ordinance limiting them to two free meal giveaways per week violates their constitutional right to free religious expression. Reverend Bernie Lindley, in a statement, says, We've been serving our community here for decades and picking up the slack where the need exists and no one else is stepping in. He also said, We have no intention of stopping now and we're prepared to hold fast to our beliefs. We won't abandon the people of Brookings who need our help, even when we're being threatened. Brookings Mayor Ron Hedenskog, Ron Hedenskog, and City Manager Janelle Howard did not immediately respond to requests for comment. Uh, one of the many consequences of the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic in early 2020 was a spike in food insecurity across the United States. The nonprofit organization Feeding America estimated that 45 million people, including 15 million children, were food inse- insecure in 2020. Uh, The same was true of Brookings, Oregon, a town of about 6,700 residents in the far southwestern corner of Oregon. St. Timothy has been working with other churches to ensure locals could get free meals every day of the week, but some churches suspended their meal programs when the pandemic began. According to the lawsuit, St. Timothy's, in turn, began offering meals six days a week, serving up to 70 people at every lunchtime. The church also offered coronavirus testing and COVID-19 vaccination. At one point, the city asked St. Timothy to allow people who needed to sleep in their cars to use its parking lot, and the church agreed. Sounds like this church is doing a lot of good stuff. But the services for homeless people began to rankle residents living near St. Timothy who complained of trespassing, littering, and noise in the neighborhood. Oregon Public Broadcasting reported the residents sent the city a petition in April asking for the church's homeless services to end. In October, the city council approved an ordinance creating a permit for benevolent meal service and restricting it to twice per week. The only nonprofits in Brookings offering free meals to homeless people are churches, according to OPB, the Oregon Public Broadcasting. The pushback from St. Timothy's Church led to legal action. At the time of the vote, Hindenskog, the mayor, said that the city council was trying to take into account the needs of those who go to St. Timothy's for services, as well as the concerns of local residents, uh, according to Wild Rivers Outpost, uh, which is a news agency. There's nobody on this council that has made an attack on St. Timothy whatsoever. I call bullshit. It's not because we're all wicked. It's because we're meeting needs to serve a dual purpose. There are other ways to explain what's going on without vilifying the city council. That was said, according to a news site uh, by the mayor. Uh, Let's see. I'm upset over this. I've been upset over it for weeks. There has never been a statement from this council or staff about shutting down benevolent kitchens. We're we're looking to strike an equilibrium. Well, come on. When when you're doing it six days a week, you're feeding 70 people six days a week, and there's no, no other programs out there in the community to meet that need, and you limit them to two days a week, and they have to have a permit to do it, and the permit maximum is two days a week. Yeah, you are stepping in there. You are stepping in there and you're, okay, so there's some problems in the neighborhood. <clears throat> Neighbors are complaining about it. You know, or whatever. I, I don't know. 
But the city council is being a dick, right? I mean, if you want to do something about it, then get a couple litter crews out there to clean up uh, whatever's going on in the neighborhood. I bet you what's going on in the neighborhood isn't bad. I bet you it's an overreaction from a Karen in the neighborhood. And I'd like to know who she is. She's probably friends with a city council member. Who knows? You know how these situations go. Uh, but to say, to, to, to limit it to two times a week, then you have to have a permit. And then to come across through the other side of your mouth and say, we're not doing anything to stop it. You're you're absolutely just uh, there's a word for it. I don't think I can say it. Bishop Diana Akiyama of the Episcopal Diocese of Oregon said she supports the church and its efforts to provide free meals for those who need them. The parishioners of St. Timothy's are obeying the teachings of Jesus when they provide food and medical care to their community. As Christians, we are called by faith to feed the hungry and welcome the stranger, providing hospitality to all who enter St. Timothy's in search of help. That's integral to our beliefs. No good thing goes unpunished. Well, Jeff Bezos is out there uh, making the news again. This time for something extreme, kind of extreme, kind of, kind of, kind of, uh, uh, out of the ordinary. Any, anyways, what happened is Jeff Bezos is having this super yacht that is so big that they have to dismantle this ancient bridge or old bridge uh, to get it out of the harbor so it can even make it to the um, ocean. That's <laughs> that's that's when you know you have money when you have to uh, dismantle a bridge to get your boat out. An iconic bridge in the Dutch city of Rotterdam will soon be partly demolished. So that Amazon founder Jeff Bezos' superyacht can pass through. According to local news broadcaster Rangemond, an obscene display of wealth and privilege by one of the richest people in the world. The historic bridge called the Koningsschavenberg was originally constructed over the river in 1927 and was heavily damaged during World War II. These days, it's much beloved by locals and seen as an integral part of the seaport city's history. While it stopped serving as a way of trains to cross in 1993, a 2014 plan to demolish the iconic bridge was met with much resistance from the residents, according to Ringemond, which is the local news. Bezos has ordered himself a massive three-mast yacht, which is being built at a local shipyard called Oceano. But there's one big problem. It'll be way too large to safely pass under the bridge. Even when the bridge's central section is extended to its maximum height of 131 feet. The only alternative is to take out the middle part of the bridge. Uh, that's who the project lead, Marcel, uh, told the Ringman News. It's the only route to the sea, spokesp spokesman for the mayor of Rotterdam uh, the mayor insists Bezos' order will boost the local economy and create jobs. At least the billionaire and the shipyard have agreed to foot the bill of temporarily dismantling the bridge. Oceano has built several super yachts for other U.S. billionaires, including Jerry Jones, owner of the Dallas Cowboys. His vessel, the Bravo Eugenia, is over 350 feet long and only the fourth largest the shipyard has built. It can house 14 guests and a crew of 30, including the captain. It will take a few weeks to dismantle the iconic bridge just so Bezos gets to spend holiday at sea. That's what you call filthy rich. Filthy rich. I mean, I don't have a problem with it. I mean, it's just kind of extraordinary. 
uh, that they're building a boat that's so big they can't get it out of the city where it's being built. And Jeff Bezos is going to have to pay, I'm assuming, considerable millions and millions of dollars to have that bridge disassembled and then re-put back together so he can get his boat out. Interesting how that works. I guess it must be nice, you know, living that high on the hog. All of our little Amazon orders, all of our Chinese goods that we buy on Amazon. I mean, who am I to say? I got boxes coming here every day. I, I can't. I can't. I'm a, I'm a hypocrite when it comes to this. Well, that brings us to the end of today's uh, 30 minutes of the news. 30 minutes or so. That's kind of what I shoot for. Anyways, this is Jake with Radio Underland. Um, share the show if you find this 30 minutes of news somewhat, I don't know, interesting or something like that. Anyways, if you'd like to check out more on these stories that I've touched on today, most of them are, are available in the Radio Underland news group on Facebook. You can definitely... Follow along there. You can submit your own stories to cover. Anyways, this is Jake with Radio Wonderland, and I will speak to you guys later.